Do you love human design, but sometimes feel off-put by the gatekeeping and culty vibes? We did too. Here at Human Design Hot Topics, we encourage breaking the human design rules and experimenting for yourself. Take what resonates and leave the rest. We will be sharing the controversial pieces of human design, as well as challenging our guests to spill their guts. All right. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Human Design Hot Topics. I am Rebecca. I'm with my beautiful co-host Janelle. And we have another super fun, amazing guest today. We have Teresa Brenneman, who is a 2-4 emotional manager. And we are so excited to talk to you about all things emotional managing because like we were just talking about right before we recorded, like we get kind of jealous of all the definition and all the fun energy. And we're like, what is this like? So mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for sharing your energy with us. Hello, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yay. <laughs> it's like the opposites attract and you know, the Paul Adul song, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're very attracted to this opposite person. And yes. as we were saying before, when we're, when Rebecca and I are saying like, we're jealous. Oh, oh we want this. Uh, uh. We love our type, but it's still funny and fun to think about like what it would be like to be a different type. And there's certain aspects of different profiles and different aura types that sometimes just feel like they would be a really nice thing to have, but we don't have them personally, so we can't speak on it personally. And so that's why we have you here with us because you can talk about what it's like to be so gosh darn defined. Yay. I love talking about myself. So <laughs> well, good. That's funny for it as a, for a super open heart, like that you're like, yes, I love talking yeah, about myself. I, I, I don't I know like what that. it is in my design. I mean, I have personal view, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I think, you know, I've been in my process for six years now and I've learned a lot about myself and as a generator manifesting generator, that's our whole thing is who am I? And so learning about ourselves through our process. And I feel like I probably have a lot to say about that (laughs) at this point. So do you separate them? Generator and manifesting generator? Do you think about that that too? (laughs) It's hard. I try to, I feel like when I'm when I'm talking to people, it's just a natural thing for me just to call myself a generator. But then people will be like, oh, well, what's your definition? And then I'm like, oh, I'm actually a manifesting generator. So I don't know. I feel like I should probably just say MG, but I use them interchangeably. (laughs) Interesting distinction to me, because I know like originally that wasn't a thing. And then I've been listening to as many lectures as I can get about mental projectors, which at the time is like three. Yeah. um one thing but in like two of them raw is picking on the mgs it's so funny he's like generators just think they're so important they have to have a second time (laughs) but but really the projectors are more way more varied than any other type so it just Mm -hmm. it amuses me and and i'm like i i I go back and forth between like all my one lines and my fear motivation is like well what is the answer like what's Mm -hmm. what's the thing but then I just all my openness is like well, what does it matter like if people relate more to manigen as a label than generator then great like what's the big deal mm-hmm. yeah I I kind of come I mean I've rode my wave about it you know and just gone through the awareness of it of 
doesn't really matter that much. And I think the big thing that I keep coming around to is when I talk to MGs, we notice there is such a distinction in how we operate and mm-hmm. what our processes look like. It feels important to say MG. Um, and I've even asked some of my non-sacral friends who have hung out with me in person a lot and hung out with a lot of people in human design um, specifically I have a friend who's a reflector. And I said, well, what is, I don't really know what my aura feels like. What does my aura feel like to you? And she said, well, MGs have like a, a sharpness to them, or mm-hmm. uh, I forget the exact word she used, but, um, it's, she said generators just feel really bubbly and kind of effervescent to her. Whereas MGs, there's this a little bit of harshness there. Uh, and, and I thought that was really fascinating. And then she went in to describe an, an exact interaction she had had with me where she felt that almost closed energy from me that you mm. might get from a manifester. And I I really pondered it for a while. And I'm like, you know, I feel like MGs feel like we have a lot on our shoulders because there's this unconscious, even if it's unconscious, there's this awareness that we do have something to accomplish in a way because we have this motor to throat and a sacral. And so there's a weird feeling of like, okay, I know I'm waiting to respond, but once I do, we're going to pop off. <laughs> you know, th- <laughs> things are going places. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. And I feel like there's even the different flavors of, do you have an actual manifested channel mm-hmm. or are you an indirect MG? Because even they feel different. So, you know, we could just ponder on all the differences of all of us <laughs> in so yeah. many directions. I but- love how you said that. Cause that's exactly how I, I feel about my manifesting generators is and I've said this to Rebecca, there's some that feel just, just like she described, like very bubbly and very like, whoa, whoa, this is awesome. And there's some that repel, like I'm, I feel like repelled by them. I don't, there's something about them that I don't like and I can't figure it out except that they're manifesting generators. Yeah. And so that's what I go with, but it's, so at first I was like, so do I not like all manifesting generators? Like what's happening? But it's really dependent on the person but it's a very extreme feeling like that of like, whoa, this person is like a breath of fresh air, just like, or they're very sharp, like they're harsh. It's like too bright. It's like, I can't look at you. Get out of here. Um, yeah. I, I love that, that you said it like that because for the pure generators, which also I think is kind of a weird term. I mean, I know it separates you guys a little bit easier, but pure make, to me makes it sound, I don't know. Um, I can tell the difference, huh? It's just that they're, they have sacral authority. So both their strategy authority is in the sacral. So there's pure generator and emotional generator. So generator is just, so there's pure generator who's non-emotional and there's, oh, okay. Well, it still sounds weird to call them pure generators. I think they would also say your mani gen if they had sacral authority. Mm -hmm. Your? Yeah. Because... like I just that pure to me it just feels like it's because both things are in that sacral so so the sacral is pure and the rest of us are no it's just that the strategy and authority for them is pure like it's I know I know but if you don't have that then you're in then you're not pure (laughs) I think the word pure in this regard is meant to mean only right so like when you say like a pure individual or purely collective it's like only individual only collective 
All right. <laughs> I, we'll, we all know that some of the words in human design are weird and <laughs> they're kind of their own thing in the system, you know? I guess that's true. You're right. <laughs> but I get where you're coming from. It's kind of like that, uh, I don't know, purity culture type thing comes into your mind of like, what is, what's what pure versus not? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have one of my good friends is an emotional manny gen and she hates it. She gets so annoyed by pure generator. She's like, I'm like, I'm not worse than them. I'm like, no, that's not what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't it. I get it. <laughs> it hits it hits right there. Yeah. Um, it's like there's not that many ways to describe it. So I understand just needing like a succinct way to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Let's talk about your emotional authority since we don't have that. And I've had well, we'll get your opinion on this too. In the transits, the 36 has been defined for like a year and a half, maybe. I don't even know how long anymore. And I have 35. So I've been defined through the transits and through my husband, who is not an emotional definition, but we define each other. So I feel like I've been around emotional energy for a long time. Like it just is there. And I don't even notice it okay so you don't notice the difference of like how you feel when you're not emotionally defined I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what that would feel like because it's been in the transits for so long and I've been with my husband and lived with him for 10 years so I don't really it like confuses me but I don't feel emotionally defined I just feel and plus also this ties into your other thing the trauma around emotions also kind of jacks up how I like what it's it's so confusing to me the emotional energy for me is so confusing I just pretend like it's not there (laughs) I don't know like what it's I don't know when I feel it when I don't feel it do I care like is this mine is this not mine am I letting this go through it's wave ah I don't know so I'll let you talk about it (laughs) yeah yeah well what do you guys want to know about it Well, I find it really fascinating, especially given that you have three channels going on. So there's, again, three other gates. So there's a lot happening in your emotional center specifically. And I remember one time, this was a while back, you did a post about how you feel like the solar plexus is kind of like a rock tumbler. Like it takes a while to move things through before you get that clarity. And it's like a shiny rock. And I've always felt that with my downboarding authority as well. So, um, also the more more recent post where you're doing something talking about uh there hasn't really been much information about the clarity in the emotional Mm -hmm. system like what does that even mean and of course I can't define that I don't have that defined so I'm curious what you've learned about that like sorry I feel like this is really vague but there's just so many questions about it like what does it feel like to go through the waves and how has that process been for you to navigate it and what does clarity feel like yeah I feel like I'm so used to observing that process now that I have to look back to my life pre-human design and be like well how was I functioning back then and back then it was like I would feel this now that I can recognize it as adrenalized pressure to take action, because you can see I have my root to my solar plexus and then my solar plexus to my throat. So there's this adrenalized pressure when I'm either in a high or in a low to take some sort of action to manifest something. So 
back then I didn't know that I needed to wait for that to pass in order to see what I really needed to do. And being an emotional generator, I, there's a sacral that's in there as well. Like it's my sacral is also connected to my solar plexus. So I really have to be able to actually see what I have a response for. And when I'm getting tossed in the waves and feeling that pressure to take action, just do something right now, it can feel really overwhelming. And even that in and of itself is like super intense emotionally to go through that. So I look back at decisions that I used to make where I just like break up with a boyfriend and be like, I'm out of here <laughs> and literally initiate leaving the relationship, just being in a low or quit a job. I just wouldn't show up to a job. So I'd be like, I'm over that. I'm emotional today. I don't want to go. And my life was a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know, it's just thinking back at the challenges. Oh man. I, it's like hindsight's always 2020, but thank Thankfully, I found human design in 2017. So for the last six years, it's really been about watching how those waves kind of try to push me to do something um, and feeling when that's correct and when it's not, because that's something that I've really learned about my process is clarity doesn't feel like neutrality to me. A new neutrality means I could take something or leave it. It means that I don't really have the energy for it. Neutrality is like meh. So when I am a yes to something, my wave does move me to take an action, but there's a quality to that in my body that is very different than the like adrenalized nervous pressure that I used to feel. Wow. That's okay. so cool. I know. I loved that. Clarity doesn't feel like neutrality. Okay. That helps me because I feel like that's kind of what's in the the literature where it's like, don't be in a high and a low, be in that middle space. So from the outside, I'm kind of identifying that as neutral, but that's. Mm. Yeah. Cool. And maybe it's a languaging thing because to me, the word neutral just feels like, eh, you know, but mm. when I've actually made decisions that feel really aligned and they've been ease filled and I haven't been met with resistance. Cause that's how I can identify now, whether a decision was from my authority or not, because it's really hard to kind of be like correct or incorrect. Cause sometimes even when we make a decision from our authority, like stuff happens that is not ideal. Right. I'm sure you two have experienced that where it's like, why was my authority a yes to this? But I have learned that when I'm making a decision from that emotional space, it ends up just being resistance, resistance. And when I make these, when I, when I take action from that place of excitement and there's energy for it, and I can feel that clear response, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel neutral. That word just doesn't work for me. I would say like a better word is confident or maybe even comfort, um, like feeling a comfort in making that decision, but there is energy there that's moving me to it. Mm-hmm. Look at you taking notes. She's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, t- I've talked to other emotionals about it too, that have said sometimes when they've been riding their wave for a while, especially a- an emotional MG specifically here, when they've been riding their wave for a while and then the, 
they're actually moved to make the decision. Sometimes it kind of is in a high or it's like the wave is moving us, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a clarity and again, a confidence there instead of the flip-flopping back and forth because that's also something I notice when I'm like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe this, maybe that. And kind of like, it's almost like my mind is reacting to my wave and saying, I know, I don't know. I know, I don't know. And when I feel the confidence, it's just this, like, there's a assuredness to it, mm-hmm. even though my mind could still be like, but what about, you know, there's that little, maybe 10% that's not clear. Cause that's always going to be there, but yeah, I don't like the word neutrality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're surfing. It's like, am I on this wave? Am I getting on? Am I here? And then you're on it and you're on the high, like you said, you're on the high, but you're like, I got it. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm on this thing. I'm safe, sort of. Yes. I mean, there's, shark comes by, I don't know, but <laughs> there's a much different frequency to it. I mean, yeah, you could still be up there like going and chugging along and, but it still could be the right choice. I can see what you mean. Like there's, it's, it's kind of weird to, to, to try to force people to make a choice in a certain spot when they might be a little bit in the high or a little bit in the low. And who are you to be like, well, no, you have to wait until you're right here. Mm-hmm. in this little square of being but I like how you said it feels different because you can be in the high adrenalized from your root like ah or you can be in the high like I got it I'm on the wave yeah <laughs> and I think it's so you know and this is why um my he's a mentor that's now turned into a friend and now we're collaborating together my my friend James Alexander and I are teaching a course about this because we're like, there's, there's really nothing out there that's guiding people to their own yes as an emotional authority and what that feels like from a somatic based perspective. There's just kind of this canned advice that's thrown out there, but what does it actually feel like to you? You know, because I can tell people what a yes feels like to me and what a no feels like and what that, that nervousness feels like in my body. But I feel like people really need to go through the process of learning that for themselves. And that can take a while and it can take a lot of awareness and, you know, a lot of journaling and kind of paying attention to that. And, um, being a, just being really present with your body, honestly, because I would never tell another emotional, well, that's a no for you. And that's a yes for you. Only they can know that. And it's just, there's so many flavors of the solar plexus. And I think the channels that we have is going to be dependent on that too. So yeah, really people have to be really willing just to go inwards, like everything else in human design and be really curious about their own process. Absolutely. And I find it interesting too. So I'm just curious if I can reflect back to you, like what I've observed and what I tell clients and so we can see if I'm on the right track. Um, But when I have an emotional person, like recently I did a reading with someone who's emotional defined and she, I think she just had the 59, six, anyway, it was all body. So there was no connection to the throat. And so she felt like she would get really annoyed when her boyfriend would ask her to like talk through the feelings. She's like, I don't want to, I just need to feel it. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. That's in your body. And then her boyfriend's chart, he had the 1222. So she's like, he always wants to talk about his feelings. I'm like, well, of course he does because <sighs> how he releases it, he's got to talk about it to release it. And you have to feel it to release it. You have nothing, like not even any gates reaching out in between those two. Um, so it, it just made sense that there would be that difference in the emotional processing. Does that seem correct? Yeah, you're totally right with that. And that's 
definitely something I can speak to because my husband is also an emotional MG, but has no solar plexus to throat. He has the 3740 and the 659. Um, and he's single definition. So it makes its way there eventually, but right. It's not direct. Like mine is with the 1222 when we're, when we're processing emotions, especially if we're feeling open and feeling like it wants to come out, we can really articulate how we're feeling. And that's something I've always kind of taken for granted until being in relationship with my husband, because he just kind of shuts down when he's feeling super emotional and all he needs is touch and like validation that I'm there with him and sometimes reflection back to him. But most of the time, all he needs is like touch and just to move through it, just to allow it to move itself through. And I used to be like, why don't you talk to me? Why don't you tell me what's going on? Because he almost just can't even talk. Like he, it's, it's so overwhelming in his body. He kind of just shuts down. And now I see that for what it is. And I don't see it as a problem at all. Whereas before I used to think there was a problem with it. So yeah. Well, and I've noticed with, so both of my kids are emotional authority. My youngest has the 1222 and my oldest is a projector and he has the 5539 and the 3740. So it's been interesting seeing the difference with that and listening to you talk about some of your emotional stuff has helped me to understand my kid like he's just graduated it was interesting going through the whole college application process like he took forever to make any decision on anything and I think before I would have been very nervous like you've got to make decisions like how are you going to be a responsible adult but now he just has to sit with things for a little bit so Mm -hmm. I'm curious like for you I I don't know how difficult it is for you to separate like those channels that you have, but if, if you could support like little you with that 3955, what do you wish your mom would have done or like some kind of support you would have had? Yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting. My dad's a psychologist and specializes in children. He's worked with a lot of children. And then my mom is a projector and she's always been really into, you know, meditation and Tai Chi and spirituality and those kinds of things. So she was kind of awake and aware just in her own way. And growing up, I got these like very two different, I got parented very two different ways. My mom seemed very attuned to me as a projector, very attuned to my process and aware of what I needed. And even though it wasn't always perfect, like she just seemed to, to know most of the time. Whereas my dad, um, he would try different things like, oh, I read this in a book or like, there's a study about this. And like, this is the way we got to go about it. And it's funny because now talking to him about it, I remember there was a distinct turning point in my childhood where he realized that everything he read in the books wasn't going to work on me. And he just started validating and holding space and being there for me because he started learning that my whole thing was I would scream and I'd get really angry and run away and slam my door and cause a big scene. But the thing is, is that I wanted somebody to follow me. And so I would put on this big show because I just wanted somebody to follow me and to be there for me and not tell me that it was wrong the way I was feeling, even if it was completely irrational and illogical. And I was being a brat. Sometimes I was, you know, sometimes I was just like, I want this and I want my way and that's not going to happen. And, ah, you know, and looking back, I can see that, but through a child's lens, they don't know that they're like being completely unreasonable, right? They have a request. They want it met. Um, so yeah, I would throw this big tantrum and have a big to do 
And I would always want my mom because she would come in and just, you know, she's an emotional projector. She has a tribal wave. She would come in and just like stroke my head and listen to me cry and be like, yeah, I can see that you're really feeling angry right now. Sucks when we don't get our way, you know, and like validate that. But it, it took both of them some time to really get in the groove with me in that way. So um, I think my mom just probably picked it up a little quicker than my dad because he had to go through all of his, he's a, he has 6124 and he's very left. So he had to go through all of his mental processes around it. And yeah, pretty interesting. So yeah, I would say just that's a roundabout way to come back to the answer that I feel like attunement to the child and just validation is like really all I needed. It was actually really simple at the end of the day. And it's just so funny hearing my dad talk about it now because he's like, man, I really, you put me through the ringer and I just realized all you needed was for me to sit there with you. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm still the same to this day. <laughs> like literally that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's like, I know, like, even if I am being ridiculous, <laughs> there just <laughs> needs to be that validation because as a child getting thrown into that emotional process, it's like you see red and you're just being tossed in the waves. And for me, there kind of was this awareness of you're being ridiculous right now, or um, you're, I, I don't know, there was always that little bit of awareness kind of watching, but I couldn't control it. And even now, sometimes with my husband, I'll say, oof, my child self is really present. And I'm just telling you right now, like, it's almost like I can hop in and out of awareness and into my child self being like, I'm not going to make any sense. I can't listen to you right now. <laughs> like, we need to have this conversation later because my child self is running the show. That is great awareness. <laughs> Oof, it's taking a while. It's taking a while to get there. <laughs> Do you have kids or want kids? I don't have them. Um, I feel like it's the type of thing for me, I'll never feel sure of because I'm so fickle. It's like in my design to be fickle, right? My husband's like, he's, he's sure he wants to be a dad, but he's also like, if you're not sure, then it's not going to happen. So whatever he's, he seemed pretty surrendered to that now, but I am, I would say I'm curious about what it would be like to have a kid and have human design awareness and raise them through that lens. So we'll see. I always joke, like <laughs> I'm not religious at all, by the way, but I'm always like, it's in the Lord's hands. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of think it's one of those things you can't control at the end of the day. I mean, obviously you can, like you can, you can, um, lower the probability of it, but I have a niece who my sister-in-law was on birth control a whole nine yards. And she's, that my niece is a manifester and she was coming into this world and she was coming through that birth control and did not care. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, I don't know, do we even have control of that? Or is it just kind of a no choice type thing? <laughs> right. Well, just given my experience, I feel like it's a no choice thing. <laughs> it just, motherhood just kind of happened to me, but my first one is that emotional projector and just kind of popped in but then like as soon as my first kid was born I knew a second one was coming and my second mm -hmm. kid is manifester so I think he was like just get ready <laughs> bracing you for impact yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's refreshing to hear because I do I feel like I get that a lot my husband and I both have 659 so 
you know, there is so kind like, of you a have potential. to have kids. You I don't know, have a choice. It's funny. I wonder if it's because I'm a second line and I'm like projecting that out, you know, and I know that we can read the 659 as uh, it doesn't need to be actual children that are being born. It can be creative yeah, yeah, projects yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I feel like to just you know, people around me, they feel that fertility in me and they just register it as you should have a kid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I get it all the time. And my husband's very tribal. He has 2145, 3740, 659. So he's like, yeah, all about the tribe. Let's go. You know, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. My husband, I'm a dog, dog mom only. Yeah. Um, my husband, yeah, my husband and I, well, I was the one who told him like before we got married, I was like, I don't want to do that. And he goes, okay, but if you change your mind, I'm cool with it. And I'd have to check back in with him. And we, uh, every, every once in a while, I'd be like, hey, I'm serious. And then when he proposed to me, I was like, you know, I'm fucking serious, right? Because I didn't want, my thing was like, if you really want a kid and you're not saying it, like, that's a big deal. Like you can't, we can't, we have to communicate on that. And he was like, no, but I think he thought I was going to change my mind. And he was like, just leaving it open in case that's what was going to happen. And I was like, no, actually, I want a kid less and less every day that goes by. So, and I have the six, um, I was checking to see if he has the 59, because I always forget what his, I don't know why I always forget what his chart looks like. (laughs) Because we're looking Uh, at other people's charts all day. We just blank on the people that are actually conditioning us. He's really open. He's just spleen, sacral, heart. I call mm. him my I call him my caveman because that's to me what that that energy yeah. feels like. It's totally. like very survival and old school. And so no, he doesn't have the 59. No, he didn't. Okay. But I just think that it's interesting because we've talked about this, Rebecca and I have talked about this, how like being a parent, not being a parent, how people have opinions on that based on your design and how that's not really relevant. I think that's so weird. It's just going to go a certain way, depending on your type. Like if you're a parent well, and you're a projector, it's going to go this way or it's kind of this way. If you're a manifester, it might go this way, but it doesn't mean you can or can or shouldn't or shouldn't, or I don't know. I feel like sometimes they tell projectors, like it's going to be bad for you, like physically and energetically to have a kid. Like it's going to mess up this whole thing for you. I feel like sometimes raw will say like one thing in a random lecture and then people take that out of context and run with it. And I feel like I've heard him say, you know, ideally projectors don't have kids. I don't want to quote him, but something along those lines of like, if in a perfect world, you wouldn't, but I'm just like, that's one of those maybe genius freak things. He just throws blurts out there that yeah it doesn't have a lot of substantiation to it um because yeah I I mean one of my clients is a I think she's a triple split projector her only open center is her sacral and it's completely open and she has 10 kids and she's an amazing I mean it, it I mean I don't really know if she's a good parent but like from what I can see like she teaches people how to do home birth and it's like that's her mastery is the sacral and to me it makes perfect sense when I see her design so it's just like how can you look at somebody and be like that's wrong that that shouldn't be your life my sister is a triple split emotional projector and she has two kids there you go (laughs) maybe it's the triple split 
Yeah, know. maybe, maybe because they have more motors, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but she's she's open. She's undefined roots, spleen, and sacral, but she's got the heart, solar plexus, the throat, G center, and the head. It just seems like a weird. I know triple splits are always kind of like, but this one, I, I always look at her chart. I'm like, this makes sense why you are so insane. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was always very growing up. She was always very aggressive. And like, if she got upset, she was breaking things and throwing things and trying to fight people and like very, and when I got upset, I was like, no one talked to me. Don't look at me. I'm going to go in my room be by myself and I'll come out and everything will be fine. Leave me alone. But she was like tornado. And it, and then when I saw she was projector, I was like, this doesn't make sense. She shouldn't be like projector doesn't make sense. And then I looked at it. I was like, actually, it really does. So many flavors to the projector, right? But I mean, that's so true. That's the interesting part for me and why, like, sometimes I like reading those like mantras for projector or whatever, but I personally cannot do that because it drives me nuts. Like there's so much nuance. And then even like you were saying before, there's nuance inside of the manigen. There's, there's nuance inside of all of it. And so Mm. it, it just like drives me crazy. The the thing like even just we were just talking about like projectors shouldn't be parents like do you know how many different kinds of projectors there are like what are you right. even talking? lots and lots yeah <laughs> and I mean even I don't know I've seen reflectors be amazing parents you know it's just like you can't you can't say one type just because you don't have motors or just because whatever whatever reason uh it, life doesn't work that way. You know, it's, yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes it's fifth lines trying to universalize things that cannot be universalized. I've noticed. Oh, that's so interesting. yeah, that's kind of like a shadow of the fifth line, I guess, is when they're trying to universalize something that. Yeah. And there's a lot be. of three fives out there who are probably, like you said, experimenting with trying to universalize a bunch of stuff. Yeah. This, 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 oh, this one sticks. Oh, this one does. But yeah, totally, totally. But when you put it out there, the rest of us are like, hey, we don't know that you're just throwing a bunch of shit out here. We are taking <laughs> everything you say at face value. So quit experimenting with your universalizations. No, don't, because that's probably what you're supposed to do. But <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but just the the deeper you get into your process, the less you can take in just outer authority in general like you just become very specific about what you can take in and because to me now I can't help but see how most people are teaching from their designs I mean everybody really and when you don't know somebody's design and you're like does this apply to me I don't know because it just it's happened so many times where I've like listened to somebody speak and then somehow I get their design and I'm like oh I can see why they're saying it it makes sense for them but this actually doesn't apply to me (laughs) yes and I used to read like self-help books all the time with pre-human design right like figuring out what's wrong with me same (laughs) now I can't at all like they're talking about something I'm like this guy clearly has a defined heart like this is not gonna work and I just can't anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's it's more just entertaining (laughs) yeah it's interesting too because we are outer authority as mental projectors so it's almost uh, and uh, we've talked about this before we're designed to be conditioned we're designed to come in contact with the other with different environments. So a lot of times we're relying on so much outside stuff 
that it's really difficult to know what's for you and what's not for you, um, what's yours and what's not yours, because you, we're designed to be connected in that sort of way. And we have, we should anyway, rely on something outside of our, ourselves to help us make choices. And that is a really difficult thing to wrap your head around and still feel like you're an individual and mm. that you're in charge of your own life sometimes. And yeah. like you said, some, it's, it can make it really hard to, to deal with people when you know what they are energetically or what they're bringing to the table energetically, even if you don't know their type and you're like, this is a lot or a little, and you're, there's, yeah, there's times when I'm like, I, I would normally let this person keep talking or keep being around me, but like, I don't like this. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to put this away now, but it can be hard for us. Well, I, I shouldn't talk for you, but for me as a mental projector, it's going to be hard sometimes to, to know what is mine and what is not mine of all in all the centers, not just like emotional energy, all of the energy. Like, I don't, sometimes I'm like, is this me? Is this, these other people? Is this this place that I'm in? Has this been hanging out around for a while? And I don't, didn't notice it till now. Like, mm. I don't know. Sometimes we are just, I just feel like we're a big mystery floating yeah. around. <laughs> totally. And I feel the thing is, is this is just what I've observed with mental projectors. I lived with one for three years. I was in very close relationship with her. Um, you're still going to do what you want to do. You're still going to do what you're moved to do. It's just that you kind of rely on the motors or the design of other people to help you kind of express that and see that. At least that's what I would watch. It would be like, like she lived with my husband and I for a little while. So he'd always come to me like, why does she keep asking me for advice when she goes and does the opposite? Or why does she always want to know what I would do in this situation? And, and I'm like, that's just how she is. And this is before I even knew about design. And I'm like, just, she just needs to talk it out with you. She just wants to know what you would do. Just who cares if she doesn't go do what you would do. <laughs> That's and really that's interesting because I do the same thing. And I used to think I was relying too heavily on other people. Like I wasn't soundboarding, right? Like, I, cause I was like, Hey, I actually do want you to tell me what you think. Oh, but mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to want that. So no, never mind. Don't tell me what you think. But I, it's interesting that you put it that way because I very much want to hear what someone thinks, but not at all in a way that's like, tell me what to do or give me a, a way to go. It's more tell me what you would do because I don't want to do what you would do. I'm pretty sure I don't want to do that. So what would you do? I'll do the other thing. Which and could I totally do, make sense if I the person is like a very different too. design, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's really interesting. That's probably what she was doing. She's like, what would you do? Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. But now I feel better asking people their, their opinions and for advice because it really does feel like when I ask people for that stuff, I really am not intending to do it at all. And I don't even think about how that could be annoying. But like, I don't even think about that. I'm like, you're just sharing information with me. You don't care what I do with it, right? Uh, I guess they do. They want you to take their advice. But like, but for Sean, it's easier now because I'm just like, hey, just tell me what you would do. And yeah. He'll just say it. And he knows I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. But now I, I feel kinda... better. Oh, I like that. I just kind of see it as like data collection. And it honestly, it's really similar to the emotional process in that way, where it's like, for me, I kind of do need to soundboard with people like that, but it's more of just me expressing myself and getting the feelings out and kind of hearing what they what they have to say about it. And then I'm collecting data, moving along my wave. So 
I feel like once I got that, cause I did live with her for a while knowing human design and it just made things so much easier because mm-hmm. I just knew, Oh, she's not actually asking for my advice. She's kind of just looking for a space to process what she's moving through and have something reflected to her in a way. Yeah. So a list of choices that humans might make, but I'm not going to make any of those. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> It is an interesting thing. Well, it's taken me a while to figure out the soundboarding because my whole birth family, both my parents and my brother are all guilt motivation. My ex-husband and my oldest son are guilt motivation. And so like, I felt like people were always trying to fix me. Like I always had this sense that I needed to Right. Um, But then like when I would talk, they would just give me these answers or like my ex-husband used to like write out things that I needed to do. Like I don't, and I would get pissed and then he wouldn't understand why I was so mad. I'm like, I'm, I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to listen to me. And he's like, but anyway, it was like a whole thing. So it took me a while to realize it wasn't selfish of me to just talk out loud. Yeah. And they, they would have to work really hard to not want to fix you too. Like the guilt motivation is a real, that's a swinger, well, man. That's why, that's why I that just, they always want to fix just yeah. unconscious. Yeah. I don't sound yeah. bored me up them now, which was uh, like, had to go through a grief process for me because like they don't they don't actually see me and that's kind of weird like they're not they're not seeing me and I have to be okay with that and I just have to like step back and not have the relationship that I would really like to have I like that you said that they're not going to that's really beautiful that you said that like yeah that they don't see you but you still like you're okay with it I mean you're okay as you can be because you know it's mechanics but it's still I like that you said that yeah, it's shifted a lot of things. It's helped a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, the acceptance process can be, there can be grief in that, right? So I, when you, it's like when you know somebody's design, like my dad is also guilt motivation and he, I know to not go to him with my big decisions because he's going to like recommend a pros and cons list and me being really mental about it. And he doesn't understand that that's not how I function. And so it's coming from the goodness of his heart <laughs> because that's how he would make a decision, but it's not what's best for me. And so it is kind of sad when you're like, oh, I, I wish I could go to this person because I love them and I respect them and whatever, but it's just not correct for me to mm-hmm. get their outer authority, you know, unless, unless I need a practical action oriented solution <laughs> about this specific thing you know like Like, I must act on this so help me (laughs) when my toilet breaks my dad is like I got you action solution (laughs) you know and I'm like thank you thank goodness so there's there are those moments but it's like I know that if I'm working through something that's going to be a big decision and it's emotional like I got to go to my mom for that because she's a projector and she's just going to guide me to my authority and be able to kind of go through all the feelings with me and all of that. So yeah, different strokes for different folks, you know? Yeah. And we're all conditioned to have the process of your dad, like to look at a problem as logical as we can, pros and cons, like we are all conditioned to make choices that way. And if you don't make choices that way, you're not doing it right. Like you're using your heart over your head or you're, oh, you're doing it wrong somehow. And it's kind of interesting because even people who have processes like that and who are very left or very head heavy, 
this is still not where we make choices. So you have to come down here. Rebecca and I were talking about it the other day. It's like we're scuba divers and we some like we swim down into the body, but we can't stay down there very long. We have to come back up and breathe up here in our heads because this is where, well, not our crowns, but like Asha throat where we're defined. But that doesn't feel like, for me, it doesn't feel safe because mm. I think of my, my survival view and caves and all that stuff um, to be down here very long. And so mm-hmm. I feel like we have to swim down there and the other types who are all body probably feel similar to like, well, I have to climb up into the, up here into the crown and the Ajna and the throat and that feels weird. So now I have to come back down and we're just all experimenting with the parts of us that are undefined and are so open because it's, it's fun, but it's scary. I think that's how I describe everything. That's probably going to be like my epitaph fun but scary (laughs) the truth of that the third line truth of that right oh yeah I guess I see I don't I say stuff and I'm like oh I guess that's what that's (laughs) my third line bugs me a lot because I don't what's mess and it just feels very blindfolded and just like what's happening um but I also see how I do it unconsciously all the time and how I talk speak in that way of like experiment so yeah. yeah, I wanted to make sure we touch on, cause I thought this was super interesting when you put it in like your stuff of what you want to talk about, about how strategy and authority is super important. Yeah, we know it's the answer to all of our problems and questions, um, but there's things that play into that that are different for everybody because of how we grew up, right? Is that kind of where you're going with it? Yeah, I think it's just important for some people and not all, right? Because some people just hook into strategy and authority and they're like, this is it. This is all I need. But I wasn't one of those people. And I've talked to tons of people at this point that also had that same experience where if you are still holding, um, I mean, pain or trauma, whatever you want to call it, because I know there's like trauma with a capital T and then there's the word that is being tossed around a lot as trauma these days, which I could also just call like pain and suffering. Um, <clears throat> Cause I do think there's a difference between having like CPTSD and having pain that you experienced as a child, but either, or I think a lot of us, at least when I first came to design, I didn't really understand what that would even mean to follow my body because I was so dissociated at the time. Like I was drinking a lot and I was kind of in the throes of an eating disorder. And I was used to, because of my eating disorder that I had since I was like 13, I was used to going against the cues of my body. And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't natural for me to actually listen to my body and go with it. In fact, that was actively going against what I would call my disease. Right. So I actually needed to do like a lot of somatic work and, um, body scan type work and work with a somatic counselor to get me to that space of really trusting my body and not seeing my body as the enemy. And that's very specific to me and what was going on with me. But I've just worked with so many clients at this point who are like, I can't even feel my body. Like when you say, Oh, what is that sensation? in your body feel like I can't tell you which is data in and of itself that you can't feel anything okay that's numbness right Mm -hmm. um but I don't know I think it's just oversimplified to say hey 
strategy strategy and authority is all you need. And at the same time, it's sometimes like a chicken or the egg because I'm like, well, my strategy and authority kind of led me to this somatic counselor or like this practice or whatever. So it's like, who really knows what any of it is? But I, I didn't, I'll say I didn't have a conscious awareness of my body is guiding me to this and this is what's happening. It was just kind of like, you know, and then especially in relational type settings, you know, when we're like I noticed my shit, my trauma comes up with other people more than anything. And so when I'm in a relationship with somebody or, uh, you know, any kind of relationship, whether it be a working relationship or romantic, whatever, that's where your stuff is going to come up. And even if your authority is like guiding you to one thing, that might not be what's coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, there's just so many, there's a lot of complexities to that. So I would say, to sum it up, some people need a certain amount of like precondition or pre-deconditioning before they really feel solid in entering into their experiment and like, yeah, I, I want to do this thing. Um, and there needs to be some gentleness and some grace around that. And I like it makes sense when you listen to raw talk because he's desire motivation and he's personal view and strategy and authority is what he locked into. And mm-hmm. so like hearing raw and knowing his design, it's a lot easier to kind of like accept his outer authority and see why that's what he was preaching. And that's why he was locked into that. And also give you room to explore your own process and see, okay, maybe that's all raw needed. And maybe I do see a lot of value in strategy and authority, but do I need other tools? Do I need other support? Mm -hmm. Do I need different awareness that's aside from just follow your strategy and authority? Yeah. I love that. My husband's desire to, and probability, probability view. Oh, that's fun. So I feel, I, I understand what you mean. And he's sacral. So it's like, okay, good. You got it. (laughs) But it is. And when you're talking about not knowing how it feels in the body, I mean, when you have no body definition, I've, I've said that growing up when people would say, listen to your gut, trust your gut. I would literally say, what does that mean? What is that? People go, oh, your gut, you know, you feel like a kick or a punch or a thing or a blah. And I was like, okay, but then this talks too at the same time and is louder. So would you listen to this? This doesn't mean anything. It's telling you lies. It, it may be your stomach hurts. Maybe, I don't know. So it was very weird to me growing up because when people would say like those types of things, I was like, this doesn't, it literally doesn't make any sense. So mm. quit saying that. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I think just knowing about like fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses and how those are survival responses that, you know, for somebody who's splenic authority, maybe like a flight response would make sense. Right. Um, But there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, I am in full on fawn mode right now because that's my response usually in a trauma situation. It, and I actually can't listen to my authority because I'm in this soup of like, I just need to fawn and so I can feel safe, you know, and like safety is all that matters. Mm-hmm. And, but if I was being really honest with myself, I'd want to tell this person how I really feel or whatever and not go into that fawn response. And so if I didn't know that about myself, I would just keep thinking like, oh, I'm in my not self. I'm in my not self all of the time and not give it the 
awareness that it needed and like the patience and mm-hmm. support. And then I would just be down on myself of like, Oh, I can't live my di- design. I can't follow strategy and authority. And that's the theme that kind of kept coming up with my clients was like, I'm so I'm like trying so hard to do this, but mm-hmm. I feel like I can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, well, like, let's look at all these responses versus what human design is telling you and kind of just take a break from that for a minute. Um, and then that's kind of where like parts work has come in for me and, and being really helpful because I think no matter what your design is, like the human, just humans in general, there's so much complexity to our psyche mm-hmm. and And there's just, we have so many parts of ourselves that exist in our mind. And so can we start to identify what those different parts are and how sometimes they're driving the the bus versus your authority actually making an aligned decision? And, you know, why is that part of yourself super loud and at the forefront instead of you being able to truly connect into your authority and like what's really true for you? Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to talk about. Um, and it was hitting me like this feels especially important for mental projectors with all of our openness, like Janelle was saying, but then I love that you are the one bringing this up because you have so much definition. And from what I've experienced, there's kind of this idea that like, oh, well, you get conditioned in your open centers, but not in your defined centers, but you can most definitely be conditioned through your defined centers. So absolutely, um, yeah, what has been, I don't know if this is too vague, vague, but what has been your experience with that? Like, you have so much definition, but you still have had so much to work through. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the best way that I've been able to make sense of it is your openness can distort your definition. So that's kind of how I look at it. It's not necessarily like I'm taking in conditioning in the same way where I'm like receptive to something there. It's more of like my openness has some plays a role in having distortion and openness could be anywhere in the chart, not just your open centers, right. could be any of your open gates or channels. Um, but yeah, so the way I've seen it play out for myself, my open ego obviously plays like a huge role in this and, um, you know, feeling like I need to belong or like, I'm going to get kicked out of the tribe. I have a lot of individual circuitry. And so there is that, uh, that pain around feeling like I don't belong and like my survival depends on being good with the tribe. And, um, yeah, so that's where I notice a lot of it coming in. Like, oh, if my open ego is like hijacking or distorting my G center, for example, then I'm not going to be able to follow my own direction or it's going to be fuzzy. And like a great example of this for me is like drinking because I worked in the restaurant industry for 15 years. I still do a couple days a week and it's a huge part of the culture. And I, when I first started deconditioning, I first started kind of seeing, I don't really want alcohol. I don't like, that's not something that I want. And our G center is connected to our liver. And so it made sense because I was trying to feel into my direction, feel into my identity, actually see who I am. And then you start drinking on top of that and it makes it fuzzy and it like disconnects you from your G center. But because I wanted to belong and I wanted to get along with my coworkers or whatever, I would still find myself drinking, even though my authority was a no to it. Like I'd be actively a no to something and still doing it because my open ego is like, but you need to belong. And this is how you belong with people, you know? So I think there's a lot of different ways you could look at it in a chart, but most of the time it's just seeing how either like hanging gates that are pointing at an open center or the open or undefined center, um, how that is distorting 
your definition. And I mean, we could also go as deep as seeing how like your view and your motivation and transference and whatnot can also distort that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Cause that brought a lot of, that made a lot of sense with that wide open ego. Yeah. I think it's just almost easier to see where it's coming from for me because, um, you know, the way I like to think about the openness for you two, because there's so many open centers is your openness. Your, your not self is just kind of slippery and it's harder to pin down. Right. So, cause it's kind of moving through all of those centers. It doesn't mean that you have more of a not self than I do. We all have the same potential for a big old not self. <laughs> for me, it's just really obvious where it's coming from because it's concentrated to those two centers. Um, so yeah, it's like, it, just for you, it's probably harder to pin down. This is exactly where it's coming from, but you still know it's there. Sometimes all seven of them yell at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I could they see usually that. don't come from. You're right. I I don't know where they come from, but I feel like a lot of times it's it bounces around because your mind says start this stars in the show, and then the other pieces are like, but this, but this, but this. Yeah, it feels like you have like a board of directors that are all drunk or something. Yeah, that are just yelling at you and you're like, come on. Yeah. In my mind, the not self is a super dramatic teenage girl, like totally upset that her dress isn't perfect for the prom. And that just really helps me navigate it. I love that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. See, through parts or lens, I'd be so curious about that part of you, though. I'd be like, oh, what's her name? And what does she like? <laughs> they all sound different to me. They're all different. Mm-hmm. Like, we've yeah, talked about this. My root, the root feels like somebody's behind me, pushing me, mm-hmm. like a mean man voice. Like, I see like a dude who smokes cigarettes. So his suit just smells like cigarettes and he seems <laughs> mean. And he's got like a hat like this. And you just go, like, go. I love but, that. So I think it helps. He's the meanest one. <laughs> Well, he's there you not, go. He's the loudest one for you right now. I feel like it he's helps. He's not the to loudest. He's yet. the meanest. This oh. is always the loudest. He's okay. mean. He's not nice. All what? the other ones can get me sometimes by being nice and like ah. trying to get me. Just like you said, we got to fit in. We got to do this stuff. Like you, you can, like that stuff to me feels nice, but the root is like, hey, asshole. Pushy. You <laughs> need to do this now because you are a lazy, lazy person. And if you don't do this now, you suck at life. So you just might as well die. Like that's the root. Everybody else is like, hey, come on. That's interesting. See, I get that voice too, but I attribute it to my ego because it's like, prove your value. You're worthless. What are you doing? So I'm like, this is where like, I look at parts work and I'm like, okay, I have like this inner critic that has all these different flavors, you know? And Mm -hmm. I just kind of call it that at this point. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. It's... There's all, there's so many voices coming through at once. Yeah. The awareness is so cool though. Mm -hmm. The awareness helps and like personalizing each center has been what's helped me so much. And I'll tell people to do that too. They always crack up. Um, But I don't think I do on purpose. It's like a very unconscious thing. I think it's inner vision. I put them like up here. I'm like, oh, it's this, this thing talking. And the, 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 my crown is not a voice. It's a, like a ticker that just has words that just keep going and going and going. It doesn't have a voice. So it's loud, but not in like a voice that I can 
like any voice that I could articulate in my mind is as loud. It's loud in the way that it's first. It's always first, but it's not, it has no sound. Is that See, weird? That makes sense to me. No, that makes that. sense to me. Cause like, if you think about it, the crown isn't conceptualization. It's just pure mental pressure. So yeah, words or whatever, like just popping in that totally makes sense to me, but it's then it's time square. Like that thing that goes across, that's like, that's exactly what it is. That's a and really sometimes good, there's yeah. videos playing above it. I'm it's TRL. just, there's randomness. <laughs> yeah. I think that really speaks to the randomness of the crown is like, it could just be whatever pops in Yeah, and then it sometimes makes its way down to the Ajna to be conceptualized. But that's where like you start deconditioning that. And it's like, I don't want to conceptualize that. I don't want to think about that. That was just some intrusive thing that popped in. Yeah, like, I'm trying care. to get, I'm like, get out of here. Go that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really funny. And I, yeah, yeah and I think it, it looks different for all of us depending on our design, but also like you said, depending on our conditioning as kids. I was, I think it's interesting because I think that strategy and authority require a certain amount of trust and a lot of, people's messy conditioning from childhood it revolves around trust so I think when you're talking about like needing some like warm-up before you get to the strategy and authority I think a lot of it has to do with they don't we don't trust it like I don't trust that strategy and authority is going to do what you say it's going to do yeah and this is me talking like I'm not making this up like yeah. I don't trust that it's going to do what it says it's going to do so I don't do it <laughs> I mean, I do it, but I don't think I do it as much as, I don't know. It feels very, I've talked, we've talked about this where I feel like very on the fence with like my process. Mm. And I, sometimes I feel like I started it. And sometimes I'm like, I don't think I have, I really don't think that I have. Mm. And so it's like, it goes back and forth a lot mm -hmm. and it has a lot to do with trust. My parents were alcoholics. So I have like a whole bunch of weird shit when it comes to trust. Yeah. But like, ultimately, when you talk about trust, you're talking about trusting in yourself, like pretty much all the time when you talk about trust, you're talking about trusting yourself. And that's why it's like, that's weird. Like, I trust my husband and I feel I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. I trust him so much. Like I, I look at me, I'm trusting. I'm so trusting. Look at I'm strong in my trust, but then I turn it and it's like, nope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's just this guy because he has proven time and time and again that I can. But I don't know if I can say that about myself. Mm. Whoa. And I think uh -huh. it's <laughs> extra hard for us with the mental projector stuff. Yeah. Like a lot of variable and nuance in there. So that makes sense. And it's nice. It's really great that you have Sean and that he's been such a source of support for you because he's but not doing it right either. Like neither of us are doing it right. Like life, we're doing it all wrongs. <laughs> Not That's all right wrongs, and wrong. but like, I know, I know, but it feels very much like we're both, especially at this moment, like really bumping into shit and just really being like, oh, I don't like, what are we doing? And so it's been real weird, but he has this, and it's, I don't, it's, it can be human design. It could be not, but he has this thing that feels very much like no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. And he just like gives that to me sometimes. Mm. I credit it to his two four. I credit it to his sacral. I credit it to a lot of human design things, but I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah. I just assume. 
<laughs> There's that steadiness to him. Yeah. Even though like, I, I, when I point things out logically, I'm like, do you see though, how this might not go that way? He's like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense though, because as a mental projector, you're, you're really conditioned by your environment and who you're around. And I'm not saying that in a, like a bad way. Like, no, it seems like this is like healthy conditioning of like, he has that self-assuredness probably because sacral spleen, I think you said heart too. He has a Yo, yeah. Yeah. Caveman. Those are all very like, sure. Like process rulership grounded yeah right there's like a grounded self-assuredness there and you get to kind of take that on and be on that ride with him yeah. you know and maybe it doesn't always feel like it's yours but to be able to depend on it outside of you is like a really good practice space to be able to depend on it within you as well yeah yeah you're right <laughs> I can't believe I didn't cry till the end are you so proud <laughs> of me Rebecca oh <laughs> I'm always um I'm a faucet basically. <laughs> so I love always, it. It's like Vanessa said, like it's a beautiful quality. And then I felt bad. I don't think I ever told you this. So I'm just going to tell you this publicly right now. Like seeing Vanessa just like adore your reaction to life right here. Like how you do just kind of. Are you talking to me? Yes. I'm talking to oh. you. Um, like it made me realize that I just kind of took it for granted. I'm just like, oh, that's Janelle. Like she's just. Oh, what this? Um, Yes, the way Vanessa was like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like it really is. So I wanted to reiterate. <laughs> it doesn't feel beautiful, but I appreciate it. I'm used to it now because it's been my whole life. Mm. I'm not a confrontation person. I'm not, everything makes me cry. Good, happy things, sad things, all of it is just out of my face. And then as you see, I'm very animated with my face. So it's like... <laughs> And that was always, I was super self-conscious growing up, super self-conscious. I didn't want anyone to ever see me cry because I was like, this is just horrendous. And I'm cool. I'm fine with it now because it just happens. So I don't really have a choice, but it's still sometimes I'm like, this is too much for you to see. Hmm. <laughs> um, I love it. I mean, I'm obviously you guys aren't watching me throughout my house all day, but like, I don't think I could count how many times I cry like at, any, at anything it, like my dog could just like look really cute and I'm like mm -hmm. oh, I start crying so yeah I feel I feel you on that <laughs> I was working the other night and this family was singing happy birthday I'm I wait tables too for, for like 25 years so oh so we're in the same kind of boat there yeah. <laughs> um I I hate it um and they were singing happy birthday and it wasn't an, it was a Spanish song it wasn't happy birthday in Spanish because I know that it was a different song and so they started to sing it and I stopped and I listened to them and I watched them. I was going to go do something else, but I was like, I haven't heard this song. And the whole family sang it. And it was really pretty. And they all looked at me and they're like, are you okay? Cause I was crying. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is a really pretty, pretty song. I'll be right back with the channel. <laughs> and I like ran Cause it was like, they, there was this older, older woman and they were all sitting there singing to her and smiling. And I was just thinking about the whole moment and I don't think they realized that that's what I was doing. And, and I ran into the kitchen and I'm like, guys, what's the song that they sing for birthdays? It's not happy birthday. There's another song. What is it? And all the kitchen guys started singing it. And I started crying again. Oh, was it like, Spanish? Yeah. And I don't know the oh. song. And I, and they were like, they were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, they were singing it. I'm, 
I was trying to explain it, but I was like, I feel this sounds insane. <laughs> no, I totally, like, that would totally make me cute. cry. It was that cute. Would, especially if it was for like an elderly, like elderly people. Sometimes, but if they were like, just singing regular happy birthday, I would have been like, bye. And I would just yeah. walk away. But for some reason it was this, it was the fact that I didn't know the words and that it wasn't happy birthday. Cause I know happy birthday in Spanish. Cause I sing that, but this, I was like, I don't know this one. And it's I had a new listen. experience. Yeah. And it's not, and I was like, I don't know these words. I don't know what's happening. It was very neat, but everybody else was like, Janelle, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and then people come in with their babies and I can't like people I work with come in with their babies, like little babies, children. Well, I don't want you, but if they come in with like a tiny infant, this one of our, uh, valets did this one time. I knew he had been trying to have a baby with his wife for a while. And he was a super cool, nice guy. And when she got pregnant, I was like excited for him, even though I don't care about kids. And he brought the baby in and it was like tiny and I lost it. I lost my shit. And I was, and everybody was like, it's because you want babies. I was like, definitely not this I know that he really wanted a kid like and this is really special for him like that is why I'm this little tiny human I don't give a shit about (laughs) so I think I just really experience with yeah I really connect with people's experiences and I feel like I feel them like right in here totally like we're having it together even though I don't want to like hijack their experience it just is like I don't have a choice happening oh, I love it well thanks and thanks for coming on this has been a really cool conversation and we don't really ever get to talk to sacral beings really yeah <laughs> so well, thanks it was so fun it was so fun getting to know you two and just having a sharing this intimate space together you know my 659 is like let's get intimate <laughs> So I'm glad that we kind of got into some like deep stuff and mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I was so honored when you asked. Good, good. Um, why don't you tell people where to find you so that they know? Because we like yeah. you and we want them to find you. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I love working with emotional beings because that's a huge part of my process. Um, you can find me at howtobealion.com. And if people are listening to this and are emotional, I am doing a course with my friend James at the end of August. So I don't know when this is going out, but it might keep getting pushed back (laughs) because we keep having people being like, I'm still riding my wave. And then we're like, let's just push it back. And like, who knows? A lot of these waves. I know. Yeah. That's just patient, man. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah. I mean, when he first asked me to do it, I was like, yeah, a month should be enough time. Cause I just thought about my own process, how like, I pretty much know within a month if, if I'm going to do a course or not, but then something happened and it ended up being only three weeks. And then it was like, I kind of knew that that wasn't going to be enough time for people. So yeah. Anyways, it starts at the end of August. It's, um, a 10 week course classes every other week. And we're really just going to go really deep into that emotional process. So I'm really excited about that and to see how it turns out. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much I also have a podcast called the emoting podcast. <laughs> so lots of, lots of emotional stuff here. I That's love it. My MO. <laughs> I love it. It's your EM. Emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much again for coming on. We love our guests and we're going to keep trying to have more guests, mostly selfishly so we can talk to people, but we love being able to share different points of view because we only have so many between the two of us, so we got to get others. 
<laughs> right, Rebecca? That's right. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you yeah, later. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate and review because that helps us help more people. Is there something you want to hear? Let us know. Your idea might be our next episode. <laughs>